0: Welcome to the Rude Horror Podcast, I'm your host Marcus and uh, today I'll be talking to uh, director and producers of the show, uh, two guests, Charles D. Lincoln and Chelsea LeSage, they come on the show to talk about their newest film, Bishop's Cove, which is a psychological horror film that is in Indie era that has a Indiegogo campaign happening right now so you can help be a part of the film and help the film get made and get rewarded in the process. So we're here to talk about the film and the horror genre. Um, I do want to, uh, mention that, uh, we did this live on the YouTube channel. So, uh, there is some lag. So, uh, forgive us for the lag and, uh, my apologies for the lag, but there's nothing I can really do technology. But, um, the episode I think turned out pretty good. Uh, I had a fun conversation with them both. So, um, enjoy the episode. And also I want to mention, I'll be doing a lot more lives on the, uh, root horror podcast, YouTube page. So make sure to subscribe to the root horror podcast, YouTube, um, the handle is at root horror podcast. So, um, you type in root horror podcast or, um, forward slash at root horror podcast and subscribe and stay tuned with, uh, all the latest videos. Cause I'm going to start doing a lot more videos on the YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed to that. And then as well as, the podcast listening platforms I will be putting up the video live versions up after the lives of course on the audio listening platform so uh, tons of content uh, (laughs) happening especially next month uh, February there's gonna be a lot of content so hopefully that should make up for last year I kind of had a dry spell and was doing episodes um, a lot less than the past. So this year should be a lot better. And um, let's just let's just get right into the episode with uh, my conversation with Charles D. Lincoln and Chelsea Lesage. right i hope everything works right now um sorry buddy that we're running a little late but we're here and uh just want to say welcome to the rude horror podcast i'm your host marcus and today is going to be an indiegogo crowdfunding campaign episode um my guests today are charles d lincoln and and chelsea hope i said everyone's name right
1: chelsea the stage unless Uh you're anywhere else
0: welcome to the show everybody hey there hi thanks for having us on of course no problem so um charles is the director and uh writer of Mm -hmm. bishop's cove which is the new Mm -hmm. indiegogo uh crowdfunding campaign uh, Mm -hmm. film that's uh, being worked on and chelsea is also um an actress in the film and also i think writer as well right no
2: producer producer
0: just producer okay
2: yeah uh, um co produced, yeah we were, we were yeah so together.
1: we're Seal we're square productions and mm-hmm. we basically made this baby come to life together
0: yeah awesome And this isn't your first uh, film together. I think there's another one called um, Teresa and Allison. Yes. Which is like a vampire film. Mm -hmm.
1: It is. I've been told Uh, that it's the goriest vampire film that any, like that people have ever seen. And I've, I know personal like people who I would consider strong stomached who have thrown up and had to leave because of it. So we're very proud. Of
0: the work yes. we make, yes. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Um, I, I got to to watch um, Bishop's Cove of some somewhat, um, and I was not expecting just the violence and the the torture <laughs> and the um <laughs> the gratuitous nudity. But um, I would say it's
2: gratuitous, yeah. though. Like, I I, I feel like oh, there's there's a lot of nudity, but I feel like the nudity is all like it reflects on the plot, really.
1: So, as someone mm-hmm. who can like counter Charles with that and not necessarily be on your side as opposed to his, but it's a, it's gratuitous nudity. Yes, there's a ton of nudity, but. I think that it kind of falls in line with the things that we've done in the past, including Teresa and Allison. where I remember one of my favorite reviews of Teresa and Allison was that there was so much nudity that you forgot that people were nude. And then it just became about like the essence of who they are and who the characters were. And that's, well, then that
2: stops being gratuitous then.
1: No, that's the whole point. So it's like you, you normalize the nudity. Yeah. And that's, how I have yeah dealt with like watching Bishop's Cove.
2: Yeah. Gratuitous would be for me like gratuitous would be like if we, you know, like if just randomly, like, you know, Heather's taking her top off when there's no need for her to be nude. Like if she's just, you know But t- we have
1: but we have a yeah. viewer yeah. who says it's gratuitous. So I can yeah. agree with that. I can see that. Yeah. And that's something that we're gonna have to deal with with a lot of viewers. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: there's there's some scenes like uh where the couple is getting out of bed uh oh is there a lag there's a little bit of lag it's fine Um, uh, i just love technology (laughs) um well there's like a a scene where there there's a couple in bed and Mm -hmm. they kind of get up in the morning and they're they're nude so that I guess that's like just kind of a little bit of some uh nudity scenes where it's just like a natural scene mm-hmm. not necessarily just like uh you know hey let's party i'm going to take my top off or something well yeah
2: yeah i i every for for me like as a writer and as a director every scene where someone is nude is a scene that It was a scene that I felt that the scene would not have worked as well if someone was not.
1: And I feel like, yes, I agree with Charles very much. So where, when I first heard of Charles D. Lincoln and he had posted on casting networks for roles that required nudity, I was like, why does everything this guy write, like or like, posts a breakdown for require nudity? And then I got to know him. And I realized the method behind the chaos that is this mastermind, this evil genius. And it is true that even though people may disagree, every time that someone is nude, there is some sort of reason for it. Mm-hmm. And we've had actors who aren't comfortable with things and we change that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that like what you're talking about, the scene with um, Heather and- um Kristen. And Kristen. Um, It's just it normalizes nudity like Mm -hmm. I don't sleep with clothes on, Mm -hmm. you know, so everything has its
2: purpose. It's one of the things when we were shooting Teresa and Allison, when when we were shooting Teresa and Allison, it was one of the things that we spoke about, how it's a giant pet peeve of mine when people like after, say, a sex scene where people have the blankets all like up to here because no one ever does that after sex. Um, and so many movies do it and it just, it bothers me because it's so unnatural. And so I've, I wanted everything it said that was in this. I felt that, you know, I mean, we, you know, we don't have like, you know, girls in like panties doing pillow fights or anything like that. Like that's, it's that I would Piranha consider. It's
1: Piranha 3DD. Yeah. We'll just <laughs> yeah so we just and watched the other day we just watched the Piranha movies and they're hilarious.
2: Yeah.
0: The, this film is not reviews. campy by any means. It's, it's like a total opposite of like a can't. This is like a total opposite of a can't be. Me. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think that I I mean as an actor, of course, you get the gift of playing so many different people, right? If you're lucky enough to work as much in different like roles and different genres. And myself as an actor, if I were to like go through the gamut of every character I've ever played in my entire life. I don't think that any of those characters would view this movie and view it as campy in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. There is nothing campy about it. Um, I think that it's just unlike anything that I've ever seen. And that's why we just
0: yeah.
1: strived and worked so hard to make it exactly what was in Charles's weird, brilliant, <laughs> like demented mind.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was reading somewhere where, um, you know, this film is, is kind of like a silent hill esque and I could totally get those types. And I feel like, um, you know, as much as like, this is something that could possibly fit in the silent hill universe. Um, I think the vision of this film goes deeper into where big budget studios would go. Um, mm-hmm. I think you guys, you know, take take things a little bit further than, you know, what, what big budget studios would go for. And well, seeing something that. like that happen in, yeah, you know, like and seeing something like that happen uh, in, in the indie horror scene, I, I just think it's fantastic, man. Well,
2: thank you. Honestly, the funny thing is, is that when I first was conceiving the story, um, you mentioned Silent Hill. One of the reasons why Heather is nude in the hell scenes was Silent Hill 3, me playing it, and my whole thought was, well, how could this even, how would this be even more horrible? Right. And it was like, what if you were nude during this? Yeah. And that's where it was like, oh my God, like if, if you're just now, you're already in a vulnerable position. There's already these horrible things coming at you. You're already in this, you know, rusty and dirty and disgusting, you know other dimension and if now you suddenly have no defense yeah you know if there's suddenly no defense for for you because you know that's the thing is clothing is such especially in western culture uh clothing is such a shield it's such armor it's 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 how we define ourselves it's how we protect ourselves it's how we you know just just cover ourselves and and make ourselves less vulnerable and in My whole thought was in a, in a hellish dimension where it's purposely trying to go and get at your insecurities and trying to get at everything that makes you weakest. That's why I thought, well, then the characters that would be present in it would be nude because that would make things even because it's the, the visual of it. Is it's disturbing as it is, but you add that extra little bit, and it becomes so much more.
1: And then I to piggyback off of that, it's like the most of the like actual demons or whatever you'd like to call them in the hell scene are also nude, you know. And I think for the most part, mm-hmm. well, yeah. And I think that that's really cool too. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's almost a sense of uh, you can see people at their most vulnerable when they're. Mm-hmm are nude mm-hmm. so just to kind of add add to to that little bit there um I and think then that you know also you mentioned oh I, i'm so sad i'm not getting a little Oop. signal on my side but Uh-oh. um what, what, what anyways um to um to, to kind of even add on to like the whole foreign aspect of like nudity in films um, I seen uh, on your your other film, Teresa and Allison. I think one of the foreign posters you almost had to put clothes back on them. Was that something that, um, that someone else had just made up for the poster, or was that something that you guys really had to do a cover up so poster? that you could play in foreign films or play in foreign countries?
2: Gosh, I don't remember what the two B poster is at this. So point.
1: the so I would say no, that we had nothing to do with that. In order to be like put on certain platforms, they would all make up their own version of the yeah. poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if there's like some foreign like poster that I have never seen, please send it to us. Yeah, because I'm like, what? What are you even talking about? I don't even know. I, I just think. wonder if it's yeah.
2: like if you ever seen like the really bloody Princess Bride. Um, poster that just—it's like Andre the Giant is like eating people and all. This. I'm like, none of this is even in the movie, but it's on the poster. So That's I, amazing. yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure that there's probably alternate posters that we aren't aware of. When
1: we first went up on Tubi, there it, it was completely like not our design, not our like yeah. or anything. Yeah. So I'm sure that there are others out there. Yeah, and we have nothing to do with it. Yeah, but good for artists like. Good for you. Thank you for having our movie in places.
0: That's what I have to say about it. Yeah, yeah I'll I'll uh I don't know what happened there. Jeez. Um I'll I'll send you the picture of what I saw, but yeah, there's uh you know it, it it's still the cover of Teresa and Allison, but um they're all fully clothed with like purple shirts what? on.
1: Have you seen that?
2: <laughs> no what i'd be very curious to see
0: that <laughs> that yeah that'll uh, sound, that
1: sounds
2: amazing
0: yeah yeah i uh i'll i'll find the picture again because uh just searching images uh for for like the promo of this episode i came across that one i'm like oh they must have had to do that for like uh one of those foreign countries that you it's know like, you can't show too much yeah. skin or something <laughs> Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a conversation
2: oh. that uh, we might have to have with someone afterwards.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, we so, are much more uh,
1: lively than we are right now. It's just the lag, uh, I feel like, is yeah. a big thing. But we're doing great. Right, yeah. It's
2: fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll deal fine.
0: with it. I'm I some to. So. I apologize for to the viewers and the listeners when i uh have the audio version of this ready um i i don't know i i thought i had everything set up right um
1: you're doing great we're all we got this
2: teamwork makes the dream work it's just it's just
0: the connections
2: yeah you know it's not your fault and and you know like i said let's let's carry on we can me on way, we'll okay, now I'm sure we have like a journey for money. <laughs> we'll, we'll make that. it.
0: Through. Probably. <laughs> I don't know if I have <laughs> the rights to that song. Yeah. But,
1: uh, <laughs> hey, I ruined everything. Um. At least it will get viewership, I and mean, they'll sue us, and not so. <laughs>
0: <Nah. laughs> you. So, so tell me about the Indiegogo campaign for for. Bishops Cove I'm sure everyone wants to hear about like you know what what is the indieGogo campaign and like you know what what can people do to uh, contribute to the film
2: sure um well uh, the film itself is it's shot it's you know principal photography is done this is uh, basically for post-production for sound design for VFX because I mean you see it's all practical effects in the film but we're doing Look, not even sweetening, like there's some times where it's like, oh, that wasn't supposed to be in the shot or something like that, and you correct it. Um, and we have an amazing score from a, a composer named David Denier. That's um,
1: fantastic. Yeah,
2: and it's basically that, you know, there's all this, a lot of people, I guess indie filmmakers know this, but a lot of people outside the indie filmmaking world don't know that once you are shot the film and you've edited it, there's so much more work that has to go into it.
1: Yes. And we have, like, had people try and come in and, I guess, try and make the film not exactly the vision that we wanted. And so that, and we shot all of those people down. So really, Mm -hmm. the reason that we have this post-production campaign is because it's just our vision. It's exactly what we wanted from shot to shot, from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And so it's just making sure that the people that we hired, who we love and trust, who are giving us our time and or their time and their talent that they are all paid um exactly we have this really can i swear on the show
2: uh, hello yeah you... oh we can curse. okay oh that's great
1: oh. so the most fucked up film that yeah. i've ever yeah, seen
0: you, you can you can fucking cuss on here is what i'm trying to say That's great. Fuck yeah.
1: (laughs) So this is like, so Bishop's Cove is, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a co-producer on it or because I'm the antagonist, which was also like, I feel like the nameless who I play in this film is a different kind of like demon antagonist that you've never really seen before in any horror anything i mean she was definitely they were i don't know i i i still war with their pronouns um with this demon's pronouns they're definitely like a combination of everything that is important to him as far as demons go but they don't exist or are not i don't think there's ever been anything like the nameless in horror Mm -hmm. and so but even if i weren't a part of this i can separate myself. And say with confidence that other than the original Carrie, which still haunts me, every single night I have to check my closet, make sure Carrie's not covered in blood in my in my closet. At thirty years old, this is the most fucked up movie I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's definitely fucked up. Um, But like, just to kind of add to like your character, um, just even like the contacts that you wear, and then just. just like the demeanor that that you um uh you know bring forth on the camera i was just like man like she's playing a really creepy character and you almost had like no like no prosthetics hardly i don't think and just it was mostly just like contacts and then just like you're acting and i think you you know just I, I mean, I'm not saying that they're a creepy-looking person, but just your performance. Um,
1: I'm absolutely terrifying.
0: You <laughs> know, you, you, you played. A, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah played a, a terrifying character.
2: Well, well, one of the things is, <laughs> thank as you. thank you very much. As the film goes on, they're actually. Is more pros- There is prosthetics that gets added right, right. more and more, but I think that like the Trent, the number one, the energy that Chelsea brings to the Nameless, um, it's this manic, evil, chaotic energy, and I think that you know instead of paying attention to oh my God, her lip is you know her her mouth is split up to here, you're paying attention to this this just the the wave of dark chaos that's radiating off this character. And I think that, you know, um, Chelsea is one of the people, One, you know, I would not have, I don't think anyone else could play the nameless the way that Chelsea did. I think Chelsea brought just this amazing chaos and energy to it. And it's it's without, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, so I can't really go too much into it. But there are, but that the fact that you didn't notice the prosthetics is good, because that means that, as I said, you're paying attention to what, she is bringing forward.
1: I wasn't ready for all these fucking compliments (laughs) right now. I'm like about to cry. Thank you, bro. I'm like, I wasn't prepared for this, but I appreciate it very much. so playing the nameless was of course, like the biggest fucking joy. And like somehow, I mean, yes, yes. Playing a demon is a challenge. And of course I want to, Charles had a very clear vision of like what he wanted. We rehearsed it. And he is the first person to tell me, and he's not afraid of like the fact that I'm his co-producer to tell me to change whatever in, in rehearsals. Being like, okay, I like what you're doing, but I more like this, you know. And I love his directing style so much, and so I always want to make Charles proud. But one would think one would think that playing a demon is hard. Um, I found the Nameless to be just so much fun and such a joy. I mean, I I wish that the Nameless, like, could carry on in everything. And especially because I just came off of playing such a different character Mm -hmm. with Julie in 21st Century Demon Hunter. Mm -hmm. Then going in and being the actual demon was just such a blast. And I feel like he almost even normalized demons where the Nameless had a personality, you know, where that was so fucking cool for me. And then yes, the prosthetics in the one scene where the prosthetics helped me, but not as much as Charles's direction helped me where there's that one scene that I won't spoil, but can I say puppetry?
2: No, don't. Okay. Yeah. Don't say it. I
1: didn't. I, so there's one scene where I'm just full of prosthetics, but it was him telling me more. So what he had in mind that this is the nameless's actual world. Mm -hmm. I can say that. Yeah. This is the nameless's world that that was more important and more effective to me as an actor than the prosthetics were. And there were a shit ton of prosthetics on my face. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was like what? Like three, four hours of makeup that
0: day. Yeah. And That was just your face. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But thank you for not noticing. We love them. Could have saved money. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, unless completely different character, but there's another character in the film that okay, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, uh, that other character was f- fucking creepy. Um, yeah,
2: the joyless. That,
0: that's we can, all I yeah, say. Can there's get, another. I
2: mean, we 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 have her in the promotional art, so it's not like we. Could, that's a spoiler. Um. But yeah, we, the, the idea that I had was just that I wanted there to be different, you know, cause I mean, Silent Hill is an influence. Hellraiser was an influence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cenobites, um, you know, like, cause there are various demons with personalities and stuff, but I wanted the nameless to be its own, but I also wanted the nameless to kind of, you know, do carry on the tradition of Pinhead has, you know, Chatterer and, you know, Butterball and all them and, and I did want the Nameless to carry along with them, as she refers to them, her associates. Yes. You
1: know. Yeah.
2: Um, just because I think that, like, you know, everything in the film represents a different aspect. Once again, if we talk, touch on Silent Hill, every aspect of the other demons represents a psychological aspect of the lead character. And I won't say what rep- what they represent. That's for the viewer to debate and figure out. Every every place she goes, everything she sees is all based on her own her own mind.
1: But I will say also that like I knew that Silent Hill was such a big like like reference point and foundation for you. But I think that you just saying like I think that's the first time that I heard the film from an outside perspective being referred to as something like Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. So, yay.
0: Well, thank you <laughs> but, yeah I mean with less fog but I mean uh, the I mean the the essence of of the story and uh, you know, there's there's certain key elements in the film that that makes me think that you know this is something that could fit in a Silent Hill universe um and then really you could almost kind of branch off and maybe, do like different story aspects of the same universe as bishop's cove
1: well everything everything in cl squared productions is connected and we call it the
0: the clu
1: the yeah, clu yeah. the clu universe yeah. and so everything that he writes or that we okay. produce exists in the same
2: world there's there's a one conversation in bishop's cove it's, we, it's basically just an easter egg it's not something you need to know you enjoyed the film without knowing it, but it, it basically directly ties it into a 21st century demon hunters. Yes.
0: Okay. There's, I'll just say I, that I like someone that talks aspect. about
2: something that's a direct reference to the novel. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Very cool. And, you know, very cool that all, all the films you've made and then, uh, you know, possibly future ones are all going to be, intertwined in the universe of yes. co squared productions we yes. have
2: also the multiple breasts of the joyless here because these are <laughs> perks actually as part of our indiegogo campaign
1: they
2: are um for executive producers they can get the face they can get the multiple boobs they can get the uh a certain wound that i won't spoil but it's a gunshot wound i won't say who, you know who gets it i won't say who does you but didn't
1: show it, you already spoiled it
2: um that was might spoil things okay (laughs) yeah but you know um yeah no we have all sorts of just cool perks for people because that's the thing is that like the initial uh the initial you know um drive to get the film made in the first place principal photography we could not have done that without you know horror fans without people helping us and you know this is this is for them this is you know like we are horror fans too I
1: wasn't a horror fan until I met him.
2: Yeah, I, so I, I grew I up, I grew up, my first movie I ever saw was Alien, and then I grew up with like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist and all these, you know, like I, I'm, I've, am i the one, you know how everyone has that song when you're a little kid that like gives you all these nostalgic feelings that make you think of childhood. And his was? Abe Satani from The Omen. From the Omen. Be, because I used to watch The Omen and I used to think, oh my God, I, I remember like, I was part be. of your
1: world from The Little moment?
2: <laughs> you know, like, but I, I remember I wanted to be Damien Thorne, like, as a little kid. Like, it well, was... You
1: kind of, yeah. you kind of encompassed that. All if right. if Damien got to be, like, a, the most fucked up version of himself. Well, I don't know. his brilliant. powers. <laughs> but you do have his powers in a different yeah. kind of way. <laughs> in a different kind of way. No, so that's... So I was not a horror fan, right? I was terrified, like I already mentioned Carrie, and we're actually covering Carrie on Cinematic Autopsy, our podcast this week, and I still have to check my closet at 30 years old for Sissy's Basic, because she scared me that much. (laughs) She scared me that much. It's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. But So I was not a horror fan, and I auditioned for him for a role I didn't get, and then the whole thing happened where he was... It was how I put a chair down in the audition Mm -hmm. room, I was auditioning to play an Irish vampire, and how I put the chair down in the audition room, he said, you how you put the chair down reminds me of the protagonist in my novel. Will you pose for the cover of the novel?" And then I was like, did you ever think about making this a web series? And then the next day he came he came to me with six episodes. And that's how we started working together.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the one the one detail you're, you're you're forgetting that makes it even crazier is when you asked me if I ever thought of making it a web series, I hadn't. And so I was like, no, but you put the idea into my head. And then that night I wrote six scripts. Yeah. So.
1: And that's how, that's how we met. And that's mm-hmm. how, so we did Demon Hunter, then Teresa and Allison, now Bishop's Cove. And it's all just been wild where now we've like, oh... I remember my point that we were talking about the indie horror community, how we just were have been so like blasted into it, and are so thankful for all of them. And it's something I never imagined in my life that Mm -hmm. I would just be like a like a part of this really cool fucked up family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we owe this to you, you fuckers.
0: (laughs) Um. Holy crap. There's a little bit of lag there. I didn't really quite catch all that. I'm sorry. We were really nice to the indie horror
2: community and we gave lottery numbers, but mm-hmm. yeah.
0: <laughs> right on. Um, <laughs> um, so I, 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 wanted to mention uh, the cinematography of this film. Uh, I was quite impressed um, especially with like you know an indie horror film, um, the 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 cinematography just looked amazing. All the shots just looked like I was watching, you know, like like a bigger budget film. It mm-hmm. it did not look indie to me at all.
2: That that's two words. That's Christopher by.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, he is amazing. He is. I first met him. He was the cinematographer on Teresa and Allison, mm. and uh, you know when we when we had the idea to do this film, I asked him. I was actually very happy that he was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll be your cinematographer." And he
1: cut us a deal too, yeah. because he loves us.
2: Yeah, because he he does really big professional work, and he's and just everyone amazing. should hire him. You know,
1: Christopher by yeah, no, he's the best, and I feel yeah. like also just. When I'm not on camera and I'm just in producer mode and I get to see him, I get to see Charles as the director and I get to see Christopher just working, how the two of them work together Mm -hmm. I think is the reason that the film looks so fucking awesome, you know, because you guys just work so well together Mm -hmm. to the point where I don't think we'll hire as long as we can keep affording him that we won't hire anyone else.
2: One of the things that's amazing with Christopher is that like, I will send Christopher shot lists and he pretty much has uh, so many of the same ideas and we just gel on how different things are, you know, I mean, every now and then we like, you know, um, maybe there's one thing he wants to shoot a different way and then we'll try it and, you know, or something I want. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. My
1: doctor called me. How dare she? How dare <laughs> she check in on my health? Yes. Can you hear me? <laughs>
0: yes yes yeah
2: okay okay but yeah like that's the thing Christopher Christopher is one of is just an amazing cinematographer he's probably one of the best I've ever ever worked with on anything that I mean the stuff that we produce I mean I don't think we could even get better but just counting everything stuff we've worked for other people on I still think he's in the top list oh
1: definitely so everyone should just hire him And then, again, going back to how him and Charles work together, they have an idea. They come up with an idea. They're both malleable if, like, one idea works better than the other. And then we wind up getting every shot within, like, three takes. It's amazing. Yeah. And I love that so much. And we waste no time because it's indie horror.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're doing sometimes, I think the most Christopher and I ever did was 16 pages in one day.
1: I think it was more than that. But, yeah.
2: Yeah, but that was a, that was a 15 hour day when it was more. Copy that. Yeah, but in 12 hours we've done 16 pages mm-hmm. at times.
0: Damn! Yeah. Sounds like you guys are kicking some ass.
2: Well, we spend. We also we we one yeah, of the things, and this is something ages. if <laughs> if other if other indie uh, filmmakers can do it, I would recommend rehearsing. I know a lot of people don't have the luxury of doing it, but if you can, um. I've had so many people tell me that I rehearse more, you know, I, I do more rehearsals than any other, like, filmmaker that they've worked with. Yeah,
1: and I think that, like, coming from a theater background, I, like, if I'm on a set where they don't do that, I, I'm i not scared by, uh, by any means, but yeah. I'd much prefer if you could just do that. Yeah. Rehearsal, rehearsal, sure. rehearsal. Because mm-hmm. rehearsals where you also just, like... I'll never forget one of my favorite theater teachers ever said, rehearsal is just trying shit. You know? Mm-hmm. You don't want to try shit on a fucking indie horror set when the director calls action and you try shit and you're like surrounded by broken glass and chainsaws. It's not the time to, to try shit.
0: Right. It's like you want to you want to nail everything on the first end. Just get going having to reshoot you know well, yeah. constantly yeah
2: yeah i mean i mean that's why you know rehearsals are so important because you work out all of the things that you need to work out and mm-hmm. that's why i can do I, I mean if we didn't rehearse i don't think i could be in my you know three takes cuz you know um some stuff that we you know i mean there's obviously stuff that we weren't able to rehearse and some of that takes more takes there was yeah. a scene that we shot with Emily that, oh my God, that I think that was like, um, em- with Emily, Sarah, and Jessalyn that I think was like 11 takes or something like that. But
1: And that's unheard of.
2: Yeah. But that's because it was something we couldn't rehearse and we had to, you know, make sure, we had to just make sure we got it right that night, you know? Yeah. So it was like two in the morning, we're in the middle of Pennsylvania and we're just, you know. And it's freezing. Yeah. They're, they're nude. Like, yeah. They're, yeah. But it was like 11 takes or something, yeah.
1: Uh, that's i mean that's that stuff is rough yeah uh, like what i love most about charles other than his mad genius mind and his lovability even though he (laughs) guises himself as someone who's just a a serious artist (laughs) is that i love how much trust he puts into his actors and i can speak from that more so i think than most people because well we own a business together mm-hmm. and he trusts me to play some of the hardest roles he's ever written. Mm-hmm. But like where we were shooting uh, a very important scene towards the end of Bishop's Cove and we were shooting it at a theater company that I work for called Stag and Lion. And um, we were running a little behind as you do. And you just, I, we never rehearsed it, but I had this big monologue in Heather's ear and we, I got one take and you just, you were like, that's it. We don't need another one. that made me feel like a God. Just one take. Yeah. Yeah. It's the amount of trust.
2: And, and, and as far as trust goes, one of the other things that I'm very big on is um, anytime that there's ever like been like stunts or anything like that, I will do it first just to make sure, make sure it's safe. Even like, say there's a thing with broken glass in the film. Mm-hmm. And just to show the actors that it was safe, I was rolling my hand in the, you yeah. know, the, the glass to make sure that there, you know, that, cause I mean, you know, with sugar, with, with sugar glass and, and breakaway glass, sometimes it is sharp. And, you know, even though it's fake, it can sometimes really cut you. So that's why I made sure that I put my hand in there first so everyone could see yeah. that that's a safe thing. Or when, when Emily had the fall, where I, where I actually did the fall first, just to make and, sure. Uh, so yeah.
1: just so, so The the watchers out there, the viewers, have an idea of how indie we are. The scene in which Charles is talking about where Heather just falls, it was in my spare bedroom, and we just piled up as much shit as we possibly can, like, could, to, like, get her from the tallest height and then to fall onto a mattress. Yeah. So that is why you should donate to Bishop's Cove, because it's literally just us Yeah. just doing everything with this amazing, like, fucking like i'd say cream of the crop best cast that i've ever worked with best crew that i've ever like as a producer just such an honor and it's all i it's also it's very lgbtq you know that's a big big thing where i feel like a lot of horror movies that have like a lesbian component it's somehow campy or Mm -hmm. it's something that's just a trope like piranha 3d (laughs) Except for there was no lesbianism in Prada 3D, but you understand what I'm talking about.
2: There was. There were two girls mm-hmm. making out underwater. Nude.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Of course. No, yeah. So that... How could I ever forget that? <laughs> wow. But, you know, so it's very... But it, it focuses on, like, the LGBTQ thing. And then when you think about it being a horror movie, for the first half hour, it's a completely different horror movie than what it winds up being. It becomes... It's a really... You know the first half hour from people that I've shown the film to they say that that could just be its own film when you're dealing with like the loss of someone mm-hmm. and you're dealing with addiction and yeah all that
2: yeah shit. it's it's in that it's in that like dramatic horror you know where you kind of like been and hereditary and where it takes itself seriously, it's fucked up, but it's you know it's telling an intelligently told story it's not you know yeah. Just, you know, everything in it makes actual sense, except the things that are purposely not supposed to make sense because of dealing with hellishness and fucked up mind, you know, things and stuff. But But
1: people have said to me that because they were perfectly happy and content with this honest, like telling of this battle with addiction. So this horror that is addiction for the first half hour. And they were like, I know Chelsea comes in this and I know she's like a (laughs) demon. Must be like a heroin demon. Like, like when they're high and they have a bad trip, she shows up. And because they were riveted by just the first 30 minutes. And then it was like, nope. <laughs> so that's why you can donate to our campaign.
0: Right on, right on. Better.
1: It means to do better and never lag again.
0: Yes, I agree. And then it needs to. To be better, I don't know what the heck is going on, um, but kind of like, pick, back a little bit to what you're saying, um, the film, like I guess like a good comparison, and I mean I don't think it's a spoiler uh, because I mean people know this is a horror film, but it kind of has like a from dusk till dawn moment where, it seems like it's one, uh, you know, it, it seems like it's like a, a serious film, and it seems like you know something that could really happen. Um, because mm-hmm. you know there there are unfortunately people that have an addiction and this is this pretty much is like you know a story of addiction and then you know the the loss through uh, through addiction um, but mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you know it has a smoother transition than uh, from dust till dawn but it kind of <laughs> has a moment where you know it's <laughs> upside. Ups- down is like oh like yeah well Um, i
2: mean yeah no i i it's because i feel that the best horror is something that you can relate to and even even if it's it's number one i i want it to it has a basis in reality like i you know i myself when i was in my 20s was like a homeless punk kid and you know i never i i grew up around addiction you know my uncle did heroin i had a girlfriend who overdosed I had a friend, Cat um, was based loosely on a friend of ours who, um, mm. who overdosed um, one Halloween night. Um, and, you know, like so much of it was based on real life. And I feel that like that is, if you're going to really get into what makes something horrifying, um, and especially if you go into the supernatural aspects of stuff, I think the best way to start it is grounded. You start, you know, because if you're just, going off in some weird world and you know if she's a wizard at the beginning or whatever it doesn't really make sense even with demon hunter we did that where we started as grounded as we could and then it's oh she has a portal to hell in her bedroom you know um because i think that like you want the viewer to not have that disconnect um at first because you know if you tell me
1: i have a I would even i don't mean to interrupt Mm -hmm. but i would even say that like that even when you get into the hell scenes and shit like that because of the grounding that happens in the first Mm -hmm. 30 minutes i would even say that you are that the characters are still grounded in a way in the hell scenes because one of one of my favorite things that he says about this is that it's all people doing the right things for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. and we can all relate to that or know someone who can relate to that. The wrong something. things for the right reasons.
2: Doing yeah. the wrong
1: things for yeah. the right reasons yeah. in their own mind. And like the nameless, I think is probably the only exception to
2: yeah. that. Yeah. But it takes advantage of that and it feeds off that of people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well said. Um, I'll,
2: I'll, I'll also say yeah. that um, I'm also a big David Lynch fan. So David Lynch also was a big influence on this. And I think that that kind of, Kind of, you know how David Lynch also starts with kind of the ordinary and veers off. And I've never
1: seen, I had never seen—I don't think I'd ever seen a David Lynch film until I met you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this fucking dude is so fucking special, like no, and amazing and amazing.
0: <laughs> in in a good way, right?
1: In oh, a good
0: yeah. way. Um, you know, I I I wanted to mention. uh because like uh you know, I, I thought that this factor was cool, but your your dad was in uh, uh last house left directed by Wes Craven. Um uh, speaking to Charles, uh um you know, did he no, introduce you to like horror the- films or even perhaps <laughs> or you um, know, like even perhaps uh the film that he was in?
2: Oh, no. At a younger no. age, he never or wanted did me to you see find out about that stuff left. later? He never wanted me to see Last House. He hated Last House and the Left, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my father, uh, oh. Fred Lincoln, who actually, the 10-year anniversary of his uh, passing was on Tuesday. Um, and, uh, you know, he... But he knew that I had an interest in horror. And so he believed in fostering whatever it was you were interested in. So if I was like, hey, you know... I want to, you know, he. if I wanted to see something like The Exorcist, he wasn't going to shield me from that. He was going to show me what my dad did okay. that um, did in some way it spoiled horror for me a little bit. But um, when I was a little kid, he got me all these the old Starlog magazines that showed you all the the practical effects and the making of. And
1: I've never even heard of that. That sounds amazing.
2: Right? Yeah, that's I think they stopped publishing in like the 90s or something like that. Oh, but shit. it was um you know they, so I knew how the sausage was made all the way from like being a, a little little kid. Um, I remember my second grade teacher taking away um, the episode where the the issue where they had this the deadly spawn being covered, um, and so yeah, like my father, he did not like Hara himself, and he was he hated Last House on the Left so much. I mean, if you even watch the um, the DVD commentary on. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on when they have the villains commentary with him and David Hess and Mark Schaefer, um, he, t- he mentions me and he goes, my kid tells people I'm in this fucking movie. And, you know, um, <laughs> and he's just, you know, at, or when they got, it was a video nasty in England. Um, for those who don't know, video nasties were this list of films that were just banned outright. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the video nasties didn't get lifted. I think until either late nineties, early two thousands. Um, and when it came out on DVD, that's when it got lifted from being a uh, video nasty. And they asked him, um, how do you feel that this movie was banned in England? And my father was like, oh, that's great. I wish it was banned everywhere so no one would see this piece of shit. <laughs> so he, he was <laughs> not fond of Last of on the Left. But I saw it when I was 16. And I saw it at the height of, you know, that rebellious teenager where you don't... How old
1: were you when, while I was shooting it?
2: I uh, wasn't born yet. You weren't born I yet. wasn't born yet. Okay. Yeah, we used to joke around in the family that because his... I knew that. I spoiler, probably. his dick gets bitten off in the movie. Uh, we used to joke around that I was born because his dick grew back. Um, but, um, but, yeah, no. Um, he... He and I were, you know, I mean, it's teenage boys and teenage boys and teenage and their dads don't really get along. And when I was like 16 and not really getting along with him, my friend Tracy told me she saw it. And uh, she's like, oh, my God, you have to see this movie. It's so fucked up. And she's like, last house on the left. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's my dad's in. And so I was like, all right, fine, I'll check it out. And Did you
1: know that his dick got banned off at that point?
2: No, no, we didn't. I didn't. We didn't know that
1: well that must have felt really
2: good seeing that <laughs> it was i was surprised by how much i liked it and i thought that like that movie has just this weird off-tilter sense of humor to it while all the most fucked up stuff happening and it really matched my humor as a 16 year old really <laughs> um
1: yeah i mean that and knowing him for several years that tracks
2: yeah yeah but yeah so he um he never was. Um, he never tried to steer me away from horror, but he wasn't himself a fan of it. I remember when we watched Hellraiser three together, and he was and and when the uh, the groupie girl gets skinned, and he's like, "Oh, can we can we turn this off? That's that's kind of much."
1: I didn't know that.
2: Yeah,
1: Fred Lincoln said that's kind of much. All right, so we know we know now that he had a like a, a, a wall or a, a ceiling. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. Well, also his. His biggest problem at Last House and a Laugh, not only did he have a bad experience with shooting it, but he also was worried, and I disagree with him on this, but he was worried that the film would inspire people to really hurt someone. And I disagree with him on that because I think that if someone's looking to hurt someone, they'll be inspired by anything. I mean, you know, Jody Foster, the guy who shot um, Ronald Reagan was trying to impress Jody Foster. You know, so I think... No matter what it is, people will find, if someone is determined to do wrong to someone else, they will find a reason to do it, whether you've created violent art or not.
1: Right. And even, I would argue that, like, even more so, that if there's someone who says, like, oh, this this film inspired me to do that, because there will be a killer every once in a while who shows up where they're like, oh, this is the reason why, like, Bishop's Cove, Seal Square Productions, Bishop's Cove is the reason why... I'm why I'm going to kill people. Like that was already fundamentally something they could have done Yeah. regardless.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, and plus, I mean, honestly, one of the most violent films I've ever seen was The Passion of the Christ. And the church, oh groups, church groups were busing children in to see that, you know, three hour oh, the, a I movie that might as well just
1: be Jesus Gets His
2: Ass Kicked for three I hours. I
1: was, right, I was raised Catholic and went through CCD, got to so I die, I, I fucking, I cantered at St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in Soho. Until um, the pandemic hit and the fucking like I was not allowed to watch the passion of the Tri- of the Christ as a child, mm-hmm. even though I was taught about it every fucking day of my life. Yeah. Wasn't, because, and I rewatched it as an adult and I was like, holy fucking shit. This is a terrifying movie. It's and, so scary. Yeah. And
2: they were busing school. They were busing school children to see that. In, um, you know, a lot of like Pentecostal uh, areas. And it's, you know, the like I said, the movie is Jesus gets his ass kicked for three hours and it's your fault is pretty much what that movie boils down to. And it's incredibly violent, but no one ever looks at that and goes, oh, my God, someone's going to commit a violent act because it is within the context of religion. So, you know, when
1: people commit violent acts because of religion, regardless. Yeah, exactly. Now they have the guy. No, they have the mask of the passion of the pride of the Christ. They can say it was because specifically the passion of the Christ. But that's
2: the thing. Interesting. No one has done that. Not yet. You know. Well, I mean, but, are you putting the idea? <laughs> Someone's ever. De- watching this. Mr. Yes.
1: Getting back to Fred Lincoln. Getting back to Fred Lincoln. like, I tell like, you know, I explain just who Charles Lincoln is, and I, of course my family, we grew up very differently than Charles grew up. So I don't go into the details about how Charles grew up because they wouldn't necessarily understand it or they would want me to run away from him. Um, So I mentioned that his father was in Last House on the Left and I was like, and the one person, the one character name that they always remember is always Weasel, No no matter who I talk to Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, well, Weasel, that's, that's the guy that gets his dick bitten off. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's, that's his dad. And they just think that's the coolest thing. And I hate (laughs) that he hated it. (laughs) But then Charles didn't even become, like, get into film until after he passed away.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I spent most of my life playing music. Um, I wanted to get into film, but you know, my dad had an ego and I didn't want to, you know, I loved my dad, but I didn't want to, you know. Stroke his ego. Yeah. Good thing that doesn't run in the family. Um (laughs) but um (laughs) but you know
1: just imagining you with a child. God forbid.
2: (laughs) But you know, um, yeah, like I didn't get into film until later in life. Um and when I did, um You know, I did want to pay tribute to him and I did want to, you know, honor him. It's one of the reasons why I go by the Lincoln, uh, you know, stage name. Um, But he, yeah, he was, he always encouraged me to see, and I'm sure that sounds probably what you were like with theater, because I was raised... I mean, he would make us stay at the end of movies so we'd see the credits because he wanted to emphasize to me how how everyone in that film was just as important as the actors that you saw on screen. And so, you know, I was raised with this big, healthy respect for for cinema. As I said, you were with more with theater. Mm -hmm. You know, I never really saw plays as a kid, you know, but film every weekend we'd go to the movies and it would be you know he'd talk to me about the cinematography and the special effects and and all that sort of stuff and you know and like oh i've worked with that guy and that guy and you know and so you know all of that was and as i said the starlog magazines it would they were just so educational as a kid yeah you know especially when stuff like the thing came out and you saw you know how the
1: thing was made yeah
2: the real time of all the the, the practical effects that we use for that or american werewolf in london and all these these great great films uh from when i was a kid so yeah i mean he he didn't introduce well i guess he did introduce me to horror by taking me to alien but when i i just had a natural inclination towards it and he never tried to squash that excuse me which i'm very thankful for
0: right on and what's kind of ironic is you know, he wasn't a Hellraiser three fan. And then yet in Bishop's Cove there's definitely some Hellraiser esque uh oh yeah uh stuff going on.
1: <laughs> can we tell, tell him the like the pinhead and what her what her butt was, the inspiration for the nameless?
2: Uh no, no. No. No, not right now.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. But yeah, no, I'll I'll say <laughs> and here's here's the thing I'll say is that I think I think my dad would be super proud I made this movie and he would probably hate it. <laughs> he, he would, he would probably be like, Oh my God, it was so fucked up. Um, you know, I, I hate movies like that, but I'm really proud but that you made
1: speaking it. Speaking of, so like, let's just say that Pinhead was a personal like inspiration for me a little bit in a very weird way um, on this film. But if we go back to Teresa and Allison, we were, I forget where we were. We were at some horror convention
2: and we did Days of the Dead, we did New Jersey con but, yeah.
1: but I had just seen uh, Hellraiser once and I knew how important it was to Charles. And we were just promoting Teresa and Allison. And then I said, Hey, our movie's playing. And you went, Shut up, that's fucking Dub fucking Bradford. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh shit. Oh. And then, and then he wound up like, being really cool and yeah. got a drink with me like the next day.
2: Yeah, I, it, yeah. It wasn't that you were talking. It was like you were like, looked like you were to throw a flyer at him or something. And I was like, oh my god, that's so crappy. I don't, don't throw a flyer at him. Just I you know, <laughs> <laughs> And then he bought me a drink. He was a yeah. really cool fucking dude. Yeah, yeah. We met so many, so many cool people oh. on the, and that's one of the things that we're very much looking forward to, and it's part another reason for the the Indiegogo campaign is we, we love the festival circuit. We love the Harakon circuit. And, you know, it's such a wonderful family and we get to, not only do we get to meet all the really cool, you know, people from films that, you know, inspired me and that Chelsea's, you know, now, you know, really into, but it also like, we get to meet fans. We get to meet people, you know, like, when we, when we showed Teresa and Allison and people were just asking me about the lore and what happens after the film and all that sort of stuff, like I loved being able to have those conversations with fans or people, yeah. you know, and just being able to talk about you know, other stuff that we all share that we all like.
1: And the horror circuit is it's so crucial, I feel like, to any any like dedicated indie horror filmmaker mm-hmm. because it's the only place where you are just surrounded by people who are just trying to do exactly what you're trying to do. Exactly. And you don't know who you're gonna meet. Like I hang out with Miko Hughes now, who played gauge in the original Pet Cemetery, the kid who gets hit by a fucking Mac truck. And Hi Miko, oh, yeah. but and he scared the shit out of me as a kid too, and now I'm just like, oh, now I wouldn't know him if it oh, weren't totally. for doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, and it's also for the film in particular, it costs money for us to put the film into these festivals, so and that's the whole ideal around right. it. And you have it's the best. It's it's the best. I guess audience you can ask for is mm-hmm. more people who just do what you want to do watching your movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And right. The whole idea and uh, a shout out not... to Midwest in- monster fest for, uh, Miko Hughes is going to be a guest at Midwest monster fest. Oh, in awesome. Moline uh, this September. So later this year,
1: well, please give him. just want to love throw
0: him. that in there. But yeah, I, we, had, uh, we had
2: such a wonderful I time. And, um, <laughs> yeah, we had just such a wonderful time. And, um, you know, we would really love to be able to continue doing that with the, you know, in, in 2023, being able to show the film to more and more people and and being able to expose it to more and more horror fans. Because like I said, this is a movie for them. We didn't, you know, this you've seen it it's not really a movie we made for like you know your average like you know mall of america crowd we made this for people who are hardcore serious horror fans yes most definitely
1: Piggyback off of that if i may i've never said piggyback more in one fucking hour in my entire life (laughs) but so that's my new nickname (laughs) is piggyback but so with my mother right she i was like hey mom i'm gonna be in an amazon tv show be the lead of an Amazon show. And she watched like the first episode and was like, no, I can't watch this. (laughs) Which was 21st Century Demon Hunter. And then I was like, hey mom, so there's this great lesbian vampire film called Teresa and Allison. And I came in, in post-production. And I, if it weren't for me, I don't think the film would have gotten made, which you have said. But I made sure the film got made. And my mother is a horror aficionado and loves vampire shit especially and she said that she was like holy fucking shit I watched it because of you but I had to fucking shield my eyes and I can't believe that you made this I didn't know people could just make shit like this <laughs> and so what I hope my hope for Bishop's Cove is that it's worse for her <laughs> that she's somehow like I can't fucking wa- I can't watch this that's right. Know someone who claims to love horror but won't watch shit that is the horror that we don't really see mm-hmm. that we feel is lacking in the actual horror community. Mm-hmm. And that's why you should donate to
0: right. Bishop's Donate to Bishop's Cove for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely leave the link in the description of this episode. Um, and how, how... Well, I guess... From recording now, how many days are left? Yeah, uh, like uh, February tenth,
2: whatever the whatever is February tenth.
1: February tenth.
2: Yeah.
0: One thing I'm not so there's man. there's definitely plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's please, definitely plenty buddy. of time to donate to the campaign.
1: Hmm. I was gonna make a mean joke. I'm gonna do it anyway. Despite the uh, lag in this podcast, do not lag. <laughs> <in> donating.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Don't wait till the last minute. Um definitely donate to this campaign. There's there's tons of awesome perks. Um ranging from like uh special thanks in the credits, um uh all the way to like even being like an executive producer of the film. So there's a wide range of perks that you can definitely um choose for your budget and um you can even and yeah, and be a part of this awesome
1: prosthetics. film. Yeah. Or you can literally just do it right because on. Charles and I, are, Charles and I are fairly entertaining to just hang out with. You can just hang out with us on Zoom. Yeah, just cool shit. Do it because it's literally just Thank the two you, of yeah. us, and we can't we can't do it without any without you guys. We mm-hmm. can't. And we're almost there. We're so close. Mm-hmm.
0: Right on. Um, like there's like DVD and apartment. Blu-ray perks too, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah DVD and Blu-ray <laughs> perks, posters. Uh, you get to there's uh you get to play Dead by Daylight with us. There's all sorts of uh, you know, fun cool. perks that we have. Yes, so
0: that's sweet. a first. I've I've never heard of the Dead by Daylight perk before. That's cool. Be-
2: because it's, I think it's so, you know, um, it's such a, it's such a horror focused game, and because I mean, you know, the fact that you get to, you know, have Michael Myers and Ash and you know, like I remember playing it. And it's like I'm in the factory from Saw, being chased by Pyramid Head, with like Jill from Resident Evil, and Ash from Evil Dead, like on my side. And and to me, I kind of love that. Um, so you know, I I we kind of felt that it was like a really. You know, like since we're we're talking about how much we relate to the horror world and to the horror fan base, it's, it's the like,
1: entire horror world in one game. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: And he's also really fucking. He just good keeps at on it. growing. So don't, don't, don't. I, I would say, no, buy that park if you're like into getting murdered, because <laughs> he's really good at it. If you wanna, if you wanna actually like beat me, choose me, because <laughs> I'm terrible at it. <laughs>
0: So, so I got to ask you both, um, what are you usually uh, like? Uh, uh, are you a uh, killer main or survivor main?
2: Um, I can do both. I really, I really, really get into it when I play killer, but I play survivor most of the time, and I usually use Michaela. Um, when I do uh, killer, I usually do um, man. I'm always bad with his name, but the trickster um the the k-pop dude because i kind of love the shooting the knives but i've also just recently gotten into the night um who is the last person they released the last uh monster um michaela i like because i'm i i love doing uh the hexes and stuff so
1: is that the same she's like ghostly and shit
2: oh no no that's um that's the spirit
1: that's the one i like yeah that
2: was who you were playing yeah Okay. Yeah, before so they—that's who I played. Yeah, before they had like Samara Sonico in there, they yeah. yeah they had her, and then they got the the Ringu license, and <laughs> so now, I have two, now they have two. Now they have two of them in there.
1: Yeah, I obviously like as soon as we get off of this, that's clearly what we're gonna do because I've missed a lot.
0: Yeah, Thanks. I I could go on about yeah. Usually, cool yeah. But... Do you play it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but bo- me and my wife both play it actually. Um, she oh, cool. plays it more than me. Um, I, I mean, I, I was huge into it for a while. I mean, I, I still play it, but I've been kind of slacking on playing. But I can play both, but I'm usually a killer main, mm-hmm. and I'm on cool. I'm on the uh, the spirit train. I'm I'm ah. really good with playing the spirit. I, know. Um, I love the spirit. Also, the
2: awesome.
0: oh yeah, dude, she's she's an awesome killer um then also uh i'm really good at playing freddy a lot of people get pissed off when i play freddy Um, oh yeah well he does the whole
2: teleporting through the 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 generators which i always hate when i play as a a survivor who's who's god who's the one pinhead also i've pinhead requires a lot of um a lot of precision to catch people with the hooks but pinhead's fast Pinheads really fast and I like that. And also, yeah, everyone has the countdown with the boxes, which is. I, I like to use the perk oh, that that's um cool. yeah, <clears throat> I like to use the perk where people don't know where the boxes are unless they're close to it. So.
1: I've clearly missed a lot. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, yes, I play I played me, a little bit of the people, night. Oh, but...
0: I'll, I'll have to. <laughs> You know, I, I definitely need to brush up my skills on some of the newer killers. But um, the only way I can really play Freddy is with the pallet traps rather than the snare traps. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, man, I can I can wreck some people when, like, you know, they could barely get one generator done sometimes. It just depends on oh, the that's game. Awesome. But, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then you know, there, what, then I'll run into players that are really good and then just school me. And I'm just like, damn.
2: Well, one of the, one of the things that I really like, and I think it's, and, and this is just my own little dead by daylight uh, advice. If you're going to play as um, if you're going to play as a survivor uh, shadows, I think it's called shadow stop step, but it makes it so your scratch marks don't appear to the killer. Oh,
1: sure. And
2: that is for me, I love doing that because it really allows you to, to play you know stealthily a a lot more um and you know and the thing is you can run and they won't leave scratch marks and and I kind of love that it's a great way to uh, to get away in chases and stuff
1: go i wonder uh
0: how that would react to bloodhound where you can see mm. the scratch marks longer and better i wonder how if they it it,
2: it know, actually what counteract yeah. to that it, it still gets rid of them, yeah, it still gets rid of them, even if they have so, Bloodhound. So Bloodhound oh, wow. is
1: like, I, I assume, because I don't know, but Bloodhound apparently, like, that's one of the perks of playing is Bloodhound, that you see the scratch marks or the yeah. footsteps longer. Yeah, yeah. And then
2: they're just, but they're still completely gone. Yeah, they're completely gone, but the thing is, with, the, with all the hexes, it's only a limited area. But it's it's yeah I'm not gonna give a strategy I like to do because people who are killer mains might might hear there's a strategy <laughs> I love to do with uh with hexes um that that usually uh gets gets me uh, cu- at least a generator or two without them uh being able to catch me
1: I think I've seen you do that
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: it's like you know how people get, get, you know how don't, people don't play- I won't, yeah. but you know how people like play sports and they're really good at sports <laughs> this is
0: like i'm really good at this watch me do this check out this palette loop i can do (laughs) (laughs) um yeah man we'll we'll definitely have to uh we'll we'll definitely have to do like another dead by daylight discussion at some point oh that'd be awesome but um um you know uh, before we take off here um i wanted to ask like one more question And my question is uh, uh, if you had to pick a favorite. Well, I think I'm lagging a second. All right. Um, If you had to pick a favorite Universal Monster or Universal Monster movie, uh, what would you pick?
2: Oh, I mean, if you're going to go with Universal, then I mean, I got to go with Dracula.
0: Right on. Do you have a favorite, Chelsea?
1: does the uh, creature the yeah 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 really yeah i didn't
2: realize that
0: okay yeah so the creature creature the, black, black Goon, frankenstein werewolf yes i'm all about the, the black yeah all right what's your favorite this seems to be a popular one on the show um so mine's changed and i i talk about this on the podcast and other ones but uh uh my first favorite was dracula as a kid i I just thought he was so cool and just the powers of what he could do um but as i got older um the creature the black lagoon is is like one of my favorites but i mean i i like them all it's it's hard to pick one but uh
1: yeah you just put us under so much pressure
0: (laughs) sorry you know, I think there was like one person that said the mummy, and I was like, "The mummy? What the hell? <laughs> like that's so you random." Mean the
1: mummy, the nineteen ninety nine, like, like <laughs> classic, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. <laughs> then yes.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, uh, um, that one's definitely referring to like the boy's Karloff. Oh yeah, no. uh, okay. mummy was what I was thinking, but. You know, Brendan Fraser's making a comeback. We just uh, picked up a shirt. And this is funny. Um, by the way, we went thrifting, picked up this shirt that has Brendan Fraser from the mummy on it. And there was words on it that said, the mummy, more like the daddy. And, uh, Are
1: you kidding? I'm just, like, can that I buy
0: that it off of you? That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, he, he's I'm, I'm actually wanting to, like, try it oh dude yeah yeah dude i mean brendan fraser's just an awesome actor all mm-hmm. around like just you know i don't think that hollywood really gave him much credit than what he deserved like i you know i felt like he needed a bigger push you know you know even back well, towards the mummy and then after the mummy you know
2: well his career was his career was derailed from um i th- was think it was an executive who sexually harassed him um something like that happened i know he's spoken about it in a couple interviews um how he um was kind of blacklisted because he refused to give into the advances of uh i don't know if he's an executive or a producer I didn't know, or something I didn't know yeah
1: cuz you know we yeah. all people wonder like where the fuck Brendan Fraser went for so long
2: yeah and and that's what he says that's what happened to him well, good yeah. for him good yeah.
1: for him he's yeah. a national treasure Like, like Keanu Reeves, where no one can say anything bad about
0: him. They're like on that, that list of untouchable people in Hollywood. That's just like, they're so fucking awesome that, uh, they can, they can do or say anything and just, you know, everyone still, still adores them.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, you're not the first person that's mentioned about that shirt, and I'm gonna try to find a way to, you know, make mass produce that shirt because there's so many people that when I posted the picture, like, oh my god, like, I have to have that shirt. So we'll try to find a way, and I'll I'll send you a you message. Have to let me know.
1: <laughs> no, because I would literally like that would solve right. at least a dozen people's <laughs> like birthday presents this year all for sure
0: <laughs> for sure um well as we as we wrap up the show um are there like any links or websites or like you know merchandise websites that you want people to check out
2: well um obviously we want them we want them to check out the uh bishops cove uh post-production mm-hmm. campaign igg.me oh, slash at, A-T slash bishops, bishops cove post one word, one word. Um, also, check out our podcast, um, Cine- um, Anchor- Charles and
1: Chelsea's yep. Cinematic Autopsy. Mm-hmm.
2: Anchor.fm/slash Cinematic Autopsy. One word. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check that out. We uh, this week we're talking about Carrie. We spoke about The Wicker mm-hmm. Man the last two weeks. Um, Evil Dead. We basically uh, look at it from kind of an indie filmmaker perspective and uh, kind of dissect films. Um, both for good and bad. We, you know, we talk about things that we love. We talk about, hey, that makes no sense. We talk about, you know, all and sorts we of shit. Things. talk. Yeah. If if the movie deserves <laughs> the shit talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, um, you can check those out and, um, and you
1: can find Seal Square Productions on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And then you can find me on Instagram at chelsea.lesage, L-E-S-A-G-E. And then you can find him on Instagram at Charles.d.linkin. And yeah, and you can also find Bishop's Cove on Instagram, too.
2: Yeah, uh, bishops underscore Cove.
1: Really? There's an underscore? Yeah. I should have that memorized. That's where you can find us. We're everywhere.
2: We're everywhere. We are the singularity.
0: Awesome, awesome, guys. Um, Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having us on. Charles and Chelsea for coming on the show. Um, had a blast talking to you all about your newest film.
1: Thank yeah, you. No problem. And we're so glad you enjoyed it. No it problem. felt
0: so nice. Uh, to and then uh, for the listeners on my end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think the film's awesome. And I haven't even seen like the final uh, version of the film. So I can only, you know, speculate that the film's going to even be better. Than when I first saw, so yeah, definitely look forward to seeing more of the film. And you know, I hope people check out the campaign because uh, I think this is going to be a great film, and uh, especially for the horror fans out there that want to see some awesome indie horror, uh this is the movie to check out. Thank you, thank
1: you. That means the world to us. We're bad at taking compliments, but it means the world to us. <laughs>
0: I sometimes I feel like I'm bad at giving compliments. So no, you're, you're,
1: you're killing that. You're killing the game, the compliment game. You're killing it.
0: All right. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, for the listeners on my end, um, if you want to check out more of uh, my side of things, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at root Horror podcast. We're also on Twitter at root Horror pod. Or uh, you can go to linktree.com forward slash root podcast and it gives you the links to everything, including the YouTube channel and uh, or the website www.roothorrorpodcast.com. Um, there's like, you know, the shop there, the, the list of all the guests I've had on the show. If you want to go back and listen to a particular episode,
1: you got merch, um,
0: all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, I do have a merch uh, site on there. Um, do
1: you have a brand? I, I kind of
0: need. To, for- I I probably need to add that. I'll find I a way. You I, you know, to- <laughs> yeah, that might be the the hot seller if I put that on there. Um, but yeah. Um, thank you both for coming on the show.